0: radio Vermont Wdev takes no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the house calls Vermont show host or their guests the information provided during the house calls Vermont show is offered only as a public service and should not be used as a substitute for obtaining any professional advice from a licensed professional
1: a house in the middle of a street. A-
0: WDEV presents House Calls Vermont with hosts Jim Bradley and Chris West. Each week, a new topic specific to building or renovating in the Green Mountains and your phone calls. Brought to you today by R.K. Miles, a third-generation family-owned business. Proud to be your local building material supplier. Find a location near you at rkmiles.com. By Poly Construction, for over 30 years known for anything construction, big or small jobs, one call does it all. P-O-L-L-I construction dot com. By Ken Libby of the Stowe Area Realty Group at Keller Williams Stowe. Your trusted advisor, 802-793-2002. By Curtis Lumber, with two locations in Vermont, Williston and Burlington. Request a quote for your next project online at curtislumber.com. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, with locations in St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, Derby, and Middlesex. By Shamrock Painting, painting and custom wood finishing. Shamrockpainting.com. By Wythe Windows, high-performance passive house windows and doors, online at wythewindows.com. And by Matt Clark's Northern Basement Systems, for all things basementy, northernnefoundations.com. Your participation today is encouraged. You could call the listener line with questions at 802-244-1777 or toll free at 1-877-291-8255. And right now, House Calls Vermont with Jim and
2: Chris. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Jim Bradley, here with my friend and colleague, Chris West. I'm here, too, guys. Hey, uh, everyone, be safe out there. You know, we we're going to start our episode here. Ooh, of how it was slick out there. Yep, with how- House Calls Vermont, but on the way into the studio, my gosh, was it a, 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 kind of a accident here, there, and everywhere.
3: Yeah, I, I was um, driving along. I, I live in Jericho, so I was driving along Route uh, uh, 89, I-89, Uh, on the way just between Richmond and and Waterbury to come to the studio. There was one car off to the side, and there were uh, a couple other spots where – people had to slow down very quickly because someone was stopped in the middle of the highway. And uh, this is really, really dicey out there. It doesn't look dicey. I was not sure. expecting it. It looked like a, a good road surface. So so be super extra careful out there. Drive slowly. Give yourself extra time. Let's get places safe. There was and by the way, just uh, uh, something to, to tack on to what Joel was saying from the news. Um, there was that fatal crash where there was a, a 26-year-old who crossed the median and had a head on clean- with two high school students, 18-year-olds in a car, none of them were wearing the seatbelts. Yeah. And those two students died. And I'm sorry, but uh, we don't know if those, those two young 18-year-olds in the car that got hit would have survived it, but they certainly would have had a much better chance exactly. of surviving. So yeah, please definitely. buckle up. Yeah. It's not that much work. And, uh, and it, it can save lives, literally. Definitely. Well, Chris, you know, before we start getting into the show,
2: we did have a little bit of an update on the indoor air quality testing that we're doing. So could you give us a little bit of more information
3: there? Absolutely. We've got about 12 people signed up for the indoor air quality um, uh, survey that we're doing, and we're about halfway through. So um, I sent out three uh, indoor air quality monitors last Tuesday. They should have arrived on Thursday, so those three people are once again putting it into their bedroom about uh, no three feet from the floor, not too close to the bed and then open, keeping the door open and closed on alternate lights and logging it nights and then putting it in the living room and doing the same thing and we have one more that's going to be sent out on Monday so uh, if you're in that survey I'll be sending you an email if you're the person I'm sending it to and then we have one more round after that of people who have signed up so that will be, hopefully we'll be getting those back next week, the week after that, mm-hmm. we'll send those out, and by the last show, uh, we'll have the results from the uh, Indoor Air Quality. So I'm really looking forward, and thank you, everybody, who's participating.
2: Yeah, definitely. On today's uh, show, one thing we wanted to get into um, is the fact that, my gosh, things are kind of upside down in downside up in our, in our real estate market, but also in several other areas uh, throughout our nation. And one would have thought that by shutting down so many things in our country for a period of time, and now the subsequent material shortages, the supply chain issues. Um, the, the fact that every builder is booked out to 2023. And, and the cost of materials. You, yep. you, now mortgage rates are starting to come up. you think that would have suppressed the real estate market but and, and slowed things down. However, it's like somebody just put an into overdrive
3: especially it, here in Vermont i mean things, yes. there are certainly markets that are see that are hurting but it's not our market our market is uh you know above, uh, what it was months ago. We'll get the actual numbers from our guests once we have them on, but uh, things are nuts out there.
2: They definitely are. So you you may be considering as spring is coming along soon, um, that you may want to look into selling your home or buying a new home, relocating. Uh, If you're looking to do that, what are the steps you need to take and how do you navigate this crazy time? You know, some people have called it the crazy town parade. You know, do you want to be led by the, the majorette or the drum major into the parade and through or do you want Stop and buy a bag of peanuts. You know uh, what is the right thing to do, and how do you get started? Or pretzels, or pretzels. (laughs) Throw it out
3: there, or popcorn.
2: Yep. Um, So with that, we're we will be having Elise Polly from Polly Properties. Um, She's a very successful real estate agent in in our area, and she's going to be able to give us a lot of that information that you need to know. Um, I've been able to. Steer some of my friends towards Elise's business, and she and her husband Jamie Polly, uh, they've done a wonderful job of helping them in the process, making sure they're handling them you know their needs uh, specifically and appropriately. And so we thought it would be good to get her input on this
3: right and and uh, full disclosure uh, uh, Elise is a member of the board of the the Vermont Home Builders Remodels Association, mm-hmm. and uh, we we uh, first uh, got to know uh, her through that. Uh, working with uh, both on the board. So um, and when we're talking, I mean, we've been talking to people about uh, these costs. And one of our concerns, which we'll be throwing to, to Elise when she gets on is people are buying houses. And we've talked about this on the show before that are, actually way above market price, right? What market price was. Yeah, by the right? time they get
2: into that bidding war, the yeah. frenzy, the emotionalism that comes with that. It's like, oh gosh, I've got to offer more if I'm going to get this get this house.
3: And some of the people that I personally know who have who have bought into a house that is above what the market was before the pandemic um, were doing it because they wanted to stay in the town that they were in. Their children are in school there. They don't want to move. Uh, they like the town and they're willing to pay a premium and they saw a house... They went and said, yeah, we'll buy it for that. And then somebody else said, well, we'll buy it for this. And then, you know, uh, up and up the price went to to probably about 10 or 15% above the original asking price.
2: And I've heard some in our industry, the housing industry, for building and re- remodeling say, yeah, if I can really get a lot more money out of my house right now. So me and my, me and the wife, as they put it, <laughs> me and the wife are thinking about selling. And I would ask them, but then you're going to stay in Vermont, right? Yeah, but then you've got to go buy somebody else's house that's potentially Overpriced priced up there. Right. Yes, exactly.
3: I mean, if you're planning on selling your house in a good market in Vermont and then moving to Texas, you <laughs> probably will make out, right? Or sure. Or North Carolina. I have a, a number of friends who lived in Vermont and then moved to North Carolina as they retired. Um, that is a move that makes sense as far as – you know, upscaling the amount of of equity you have to, to invest in something. But you're doing a, an even trade here in this market. There's nothing – if you're just selling in the Vermont market and buying in the Vermont market, you, we would recommend waiting and just seeing what's going on with this volatility. But we'll see what Elise says when she gets on.
2: Yeah, yeah. and another pressure that we're seeing is when people from out of state yeah. who might be living in more expensive areas think that when they come here – Hey, that price isn't that bad and they'll put more money on top of the the asking price and that puts a lot of Vermonters out of the, that 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 actual potential for buying that property and so that becomes another stressor on the market. So all these things just make it like I said, the crazy town parade. You know, how how are we going to get into it if you need to? How are we how are you going to sell? Do you submit to that emotionalism or do you say, "Let's take a step back and do this a little bit more effectively." And having the guidance of an effective realtor can really help you out in that process. Yeah,
3: and as a state, we've done a very bad job of making sure that – there's a huge complaint. Anytime you have a discussion about the workforce situation in Vermont, you're always going to start talking about it's too expensive to live here. Okay. If it's too expensive to live here and the only people who can afford to buy houses here are people from Boston and people from Rhode Island and New York City because they actually have a lot of extra cash, um, by driving that market up, we're just making it less and less affordable for uh, the people who already live here. Um, either original Vermonters or people like me, flatlanders who moved here 10, 15, 20, some of us 30, 40 years ago, to, to be able to own a house and have it not take up most of our income, right? Uh, the inter, the national standard in the 1970s was you should be spending 25% of your income on your housing. Right now, that's 50% for most people in the working class. And, and, if we're saying that it's 50% now and the prices are going up, how much more are people going to have to pay of their disp- of their income mm-hmm. in order to, to just stay housed? And that's an issue that, that we as a state have to look at real hard and come up with a solution that isn't necessarily the market rate.
2: And another guest we're going to have on later in the show is Steve Spatz from Efficiency Vermont. Specifically speaking to the fact of yes, when you when you buy a home, you're going to have a housing inspection. Normally, I've heard of some those home, hey, yes, yep. home inspection. Yes, a home inspection. Yes, and you're going to, that pre- professional comes in, looks over the home, sees you know checks to see if there's any uh, defects with the home that would affect the sale price or anything that you need to be aware of. And with that though, Chris and I have been on so many different inspections. After or I should say home performance home performance, assessments, yeah, yeah, home performance yeah, yeah. assessments after the fact, and we'll hear this out of almost seventy percent of the clientele who we'll say well why didn't my housing inspe- home inspector tell me this and it's not because they tried to hide something it's more so they just didn't pick something up so sometimes we would advocate not sometimes we tell everybody everybody you know, if you're going to be <laughs> buying a home. Have a home performance assessment as well, not just about how much energy you're going to save, but let's see about the building science of the house and what dynamics may be affecting the house that someone else may not pick up on that then you can negotiate
3: when you're buying the house um, into the sales price. And we've had this in the past. The home the home inspection is not really for you. The home inspection is for the bank, mm-hmm. right? The home inspection is there to make sure that the stated value of the house is in the house once someone inspects it, right? And we've seen some glaring, uh, omissions in yes. these things. And the people who do these, not that they're trying to, to hurt the buyer, right? No. They're, they're, but they're not really there for the buyer. They're really there for the bank. That's, they're there to make sure that you're, that you the bank is not, cause when you buy a house, right? You're going to go and ask the usually, unless you're buying it for cash, you're going to ask the bank to give you money and the bank will only uh, give you money for 80% of the value of the house, right? Because they want to be able to turn it around and sell it for full market value and at least recoup that 80% that they put into it. So they have to make sure that the value is there before they lend you the money. Otherwise, that, that whole ploy of making sure there's value in that just goes out the window. So the home inspection inspector comes in and says, well, I'm not seeing anything super red flaggy here, but they're also not going to be pointing out the things that Jim and I see about building durability, about – Vermiculite. Vermiculite. <laughs> uh, we yeah. had a, one one uh, uh, client of ours. Um, we did an energy audit for her and found vermiculite, and she said, yeah, uh, it's in my report. Uh, three inches of vermiculite with an R value of this. It didn't say anything about vermiculite being a, a hazard. hazard. Yeah. And uh, the, this, this woman – ended up having almost $30,000 worth of work done on the house because the vermiculite wasn't just in the attic. It was also in the walls. It migrates. So the entire house had to be tented and they, I mean, it was a real mess. So if this person had known... From the home inspection or if they'd had an energy assessment from someone like Jim and I, we would have pointed it out before she put her money down. She could have said, well, you want $300,000 for the house? Well, I have $40,000 worth of vermiculite remediation. Why don't we just split the difference and call it 280 or something like that? A negotiation can happen. Um, and that's something that we're, we're yeah. big fans and, of.
2: And that's what Steve Spatz will be able to speak to is how many times has he been called at Efficiency Vermont or heard about the fact that somebody got into their home, then they had that realization that my costs are going to go up. And
3: I- that the home inspection hadn't pointed that out exactly. in a way that was helpful for the negotiation. Exactly. Well, we're right up against our first break. When we come back from the break, we will have Elise Polly here. Yes. And um, so hang on. Give us a call, 802-244-1777. We want to hear your thoughts on this and any DIY projects you're working on. So we'll see you after the break.
0: Christmas Eve then and now by wife Windows. Christmas Eve then, and Mama and her kerchief, and I and my cap, had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. Tighten up that kerchief, it's gonna be a cold one.
4: It's that nasty draft from the window that's to blame.
0: Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters, and threw up the sash. Hurry! I think I see something! It's stuck! And Christmas Eve now.
4: Look, it's Santa! What a clear, unobstructed view we get through our wife windows. Quick, tilt it open!
0: Hey Santa, it's Jim! Those are some good looking wife tilt and turn windows! I know! Eight locking points keep them air and watertight, and they're made in New Jersey! That's my next stop! I have a new guitar for the boss! I heard him exclaim as he drove out of sight. White windows for all for a house cozy and tight. Wife windows, high performance passive house windows and doors. Online at WYTHEWindows.com. windows.com.
2: Good afternoon once again with House Calls Vermont. I'm
3: Jim Bradley and here with Chris West. How's it going guys? I was just showing uh, Jim some pictures of my my youngest child who is woofing in Oregon. Woofing is uh is where you trade labor for room and board and he's doing it on a uh a goat farm outside of Portland, Oregon. So it's right. not
2: like a vaping thing. It's woofing, not woofing. vaping. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh boy. Uh, and I was just showing some pictures cuz they were lambing this week and there were some one day old lambs that were climbing all over Lucas while he was uh taking them for a walk and one of the things one of the insights i want to just share with you is that lucas said uh, goats are really smart and sheep are really dumb That's, that's his first takeaway <laughs> nice <laughs> don't be a dumb sheep yeah um
2: with us right now we have Elise Polly from Polly Properties her husband Jamie was not able to join us because business is so good, good. <laughs> right now so Elise welcome to the show and uh, how are you doing today
4: thanks so much for having me i'm doing awesome i started off my day with my my weekly boxing group, so
2: I feel tough and ready to go. Yeah. Oh, that's so that's a Canadian holiday, right? Boxing Day? You, you celebrate British. that. I know. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> So boxing, that's a new one. So you basically are uh, – do you, do you share that with your clients? Do you ever have any of those in there with you to, for one of
4: those workouts?
2: <laughs>
4: but... I've met clients boxing.
3: Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> As have I well, – But not boxing, but doing other sports I have also met – my clients. Well, welcome, well, welcome, Elise. It's really great to have you on.
2: And, and basically, right now, Elise, the national housing market—this is what we're seeing—is is a crazy situation for so many. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Vermont, in the past, when there's been a downturn in the economy nationally, Vermont has usually seen things be effective and good still for us. And just the opposite. So when things uh, turn downward in Vermont, sometimes the rest of the the uh, the, uh, the country is doing well. Right now, with respect to Vermont, how are we faring when you compare things nationally? What are you seeing out there?
4: Well, nationally, there there is a huge lack of housing inventory. So it's not just an us problem this time. It's the whole country problem. Um, I have relatives all over the country who are looking to buy homes and have been trying to counsel them from here. So it's certainly not unique to us this time.
2: Yep, certainly. And and with with that being said, I know so many people are contemplating this point in time, whether out of necessity or just out of desire to get into a different home or do something like that. What are you basically telling your clients right now? Um, you know, whether they're a buyer or a seller, you know, what what is the outlook that you're giving them? Mm,
4: well, it's very different conversations if you're looking to buy versus looking to sell right now. Sure. If you're looking to sell right now, I would say make hay while you can make hay. Okay. This is, this is certainly a time to make hay because prices are so high. And you know, it, it's not just about the price when selling a home. It's about the contingencies yes, and inspections that buyers may be willing to waive at this point in time. Okay. Um, even, you know, three years ago, if If you were a seller looking to sell and find another home, it was very normal that you would give the buyer, the buyer would give the seller 10 days to 14 days to locate their next home. Mm
1: -hmm.
4: And you would have these conversations with our sellers saying, okay, when your home goes under contract, for the next 10 days to two weeks, we are going to be flat out looking at houses all day, every day, as much as we can. Definitely. And now we're telling our sellers, put your house in the market, sell why it's hot, and we will find a buyer who's willing to wait two, three, four, five, six, seven months.
2: Wow. Um, that is different.
4: I, I've heard of a buyer this year waiting 18 months for the seller to find their next home.
2: Now, and now is that all Vermonters that you're seeing that, that are, they're the ones who are trying to buy these homes or do you see a, a happy medium or is it all one side? I mean, we heard so much about during the, the pandemic when things were shut down that so many people from the cities were relocating into Vermont. What, what are you seeing as the potential buyers? The
3: demographics.
4: Right now? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're certainly seeing a huge influx of out of state buyers. We had four families relocate here this year from California alone. Yep. Sure. So it, it used to be that we were pretty excited to see a cash offer, that it was more of a rare thing. And when I say used to be, I'm saying about two, three years ago. Sure. However, now we're really expecting to receive cash offers. We're expecting to have multiple offers going above the listing price, and it's a very different conversation today versus a couple of years ago.
3: Are you seeing um uh, uh I mean normally what I would expect to see if I was looking at the market is that the high end houses are are having these these problems, right? Um mm-hmm. are, what are we what are we seeing as far as entry level homes and and mm-hmm. kind of mid-range homes? Are you seeing the, the a change in what you had seen before the pandemic?
4: It's a great question, Chris, because Without a doubt, usually you do tend to see one price range more stressed than the others, right? Yep. Whether it's entry-level homes versus someone looking to downsize, upsize, or luxury homes. And I would say for about the past year, we're, we're experiencing a seller's market across all price ranges. Mm. It's really everything from um, a mobile home to million-dollar homes, there is just lack of supply, which is driving the demand.
2: Definitely. Well, what about if you're you mentioned that's for somebody who's going to sell? You say make. Hey, mm-hmm. what are you going to tell that potential buyer that's you know trying to get into their first home or it's, they need to up, upscale or upsize their home because they've had an addition to the family? What are you telling them? Because I can understand the anxiety that this could create. I remember when we bought our first home, um, no one looked at that home for I think 18 months. When we get in there and make our first offer, all of a sudden there were three, and it's just <laughs> like we were so anxious about trying to get into our first home with only one child. At the time. And so, with that, what are you telling these first time home buyers or people who need to upscale when you, they see this and they're up against this obstacle?
4: Right. Well, so my conversation is this if I'm representing a buyer and I'm working for them to find the home, I would say, you know, Jim, it used to be that my job was to get you the lowest price on sure. <laughs> the best possible terms and conditions. However, and today's market, my job is simply to get you to home.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And so we do a lot of coaching that buyers should be expecting to be in multiple offers. Um, I, I, every single listing that we had listed this last year was multiple offers.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
4: So it's a conversation of on a scale of one to ten, ten being this is your perfect house, how much do you want it and how aggressive are you willing to be? And we let them drive what that offer looks like. If they say to us, well, you know, they're not in love with the floor plan, and maybe it's only a seven. Okay, well, let's let's write an offer that reflects a seven. If they say, well, you know, this is 10 out of 10 for us. This is our dream home. Then we're going to guide them to write a very competitive offer.
2: Right. So what are your clients doing? when they get into this auctioneering style bidding war. I mean that's really what it's become mm-hmm. in, in many respects. Um hey can you can you sound like an auctioneer for us now? <laughs> Maybe Jamie could do that part. That, he, yeah, he, he does draw. that really well. Yeah <laughs> definitely. But um when you know, there is that blue blazer, that sequin blue blazer that Jamie has, which <laughs> I, I looked it up. You can, you can get one if you want. Um, but when you're doing something like that and you're, 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 you're seeing somebody come into this and they're trying to, to put their best step for, foot forward and they're getting into this bidding war. How do you basically tell them when they say, listen, hold up up because it's not going to appraise for this. And if it doesn't appraise for this, then they've got to be really, really creative on the other side because then they get into their home. And yes, they're in. But if the market does what it traditionally has done, there's going to be the downturn and they're going to be left holding the bag. I mean, how do you navigate that with some of these people when you're dealing with somebody on a certain income level that they're saying Mm -hmm. we only have this much to get in? What do
4: you say? Well, it's a delicate conversation, and and I think that's why we start with that question of, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you want this home? Because it it really frames the whole process moving forward with them. So, you know, again, it's going to be different. If they say, you know, it's a 10 out of 10 for us, we really, really want it, then we have a lot of tricks or tools that we use to have their offer be one of the strongest. That's Mm. our goal Mm. is – to have it look really great in comparison to the other offers. So what we're coaching our clients on is a conversation about that appraisal piece. Sure. Because some of the pricing is so competitive with people going so high above the listing price, many of the offers that are getting accepted in today's market have what we call an appraisal bridge. That's a pretty informal term. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I think Jamie made it up, uh, <laughs> but essentially, an appraisal bridge is telling the seller that they will get that dollar amount in their pocket, regardless of it appraising or not.
2: Right. Okay.
4: Yep. So if if we take an example of a three hundred thousand dollar home, and our buyer wants to offer three thirty, let's say it only appraised at that three hundred
1: yeah okay. in our
4: offer, we would include language that states the buyer has liquid assets to cover the amount if it doesn't appraise
3: right okay the delta the delta dollar between mm-hmm. the appraisal and and the offer right and and, and something
2: you have you've mentioned is a Cash offer. You know, I, I just have this mental picture of somebody coming with a suitcase full of cash and saying, "Here's my offer." Could you walk a potential, you know, buyer through what is it actually a cash offer?
4: Mm-hmm. So, a cash offer could still have an appraisal if the buyer so chooses to go that route. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are a cash buyer and submitting an offer the listing agent is likely going to ask for proof of funds.
1: Right, sure.
4: They simply want to see that you're actually good for it. Yes. Um, You know, I, I would say sellers are pretty savvy right now in this market, and sometimes they're a little bit shy on those cash offers if the buyer hasn't actually seen the home in person.
3: Right, okay. That's a question that that jumps up. As soon as you say that, what I want to say is how many actual sell, sales have you been part of representing either the seller or the buyer, sight unseen?
4: Oh, many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Right. That would be out-of-state people, I would imagine, because if you're in Vermont, you just drive over. Am I wrong?
4: Exactly. Yep. Well, and and when there were COVID travel restrictions, right. yes. that was very common, that – The real estate agent was doing a virtual tour, whether it was on Zoom or on FaceTime, whatever it might be. Um, However, I'll say I had a listing in South Burlington recently that one of the offers was was $50,000 more than another offer, but the buyer hadn't seen it in person.
2: Okay. Jeez.
4: And the seller felt like, "Mm, yeah, I, I don't know if I feel comfortable with the person not having seen it in person.
3: Sure. Is there language if a person buys a house on sight unseen that gives them uh, an out? Or, or It doesn't sound like there should be.
4: Well, there there could be outs in the form of other contingencies. Right. So, for example, if someone said, well, I want a home inspection or I want, you know... A
3: an energy review. audit." <laughs> <laughs>
4: exactly. It, it, right, right, right. So just because it's 50,000 more doesn't necessarily mean that it's the strongest offer.
3: Okay, that's a good point. Um, have, have you seen any uh, changes in the interest in people buying land to to, buy, to build on uh, compared to before the the, uh, the pandemic?
4: You know, I have not been asked that question, and I think that's a great question. And now that you say it, it's been a dramatic decrease.
2: Oh, oh really?
4: Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I – you know, years ago – So many wanted to build and buy land, and now I think people are just hearing so much about the build process and material costs going up, and it might feel a little bit on the overwhelming side.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's no, we talk about it all the time on the show. The, the, uh, you know, you're gonna build a house. There are contingencies in their contracts about we will cover an increase in, in material cost to this. Yes. But above that, you, you know, the, the offer needs to be increased to cover the cost so that the builder is not, you know, losing money on this. And, uh, oh, and you're right. We also, uh, most of our builder friends are, are well into 2023 at this time and we haven't even gotten to spring of 2022. Yet yet. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that that mm-hmm. pressure, I can see how that would have an effect. Uh, it would be nice as a, a person who likes to buy property and build uh, houses to see that reflected in the price of <laughs> of property available. But uh, I, I haven't seen that. What, what's your What's your take on the, the price on, on land at this point?
4: Well, it, it's just so limited. I mean, obviously, it depends on where you're looking to purchase land, but people... You know, we we saw a big uptick in people wanting more acreage through COVID. People want more privacy. They don't want to see their neighbors as much. They want to feel that they're somewhat protected by their land and their acreage. Um, So with that, you know, there's not big chunks of land frequently in vermont anymore
2: (laughs) which which plays right into elise is the fact that the governor's proposal for this missing middle um income uh housing initiative to build more housing for people in the middle income brackets uh how are they going to do that if they don't have the land you know that's a big challenge right now
4: right absolutely i I mean i just spoke with someone yesterday who lives in Williston and he had five acres and he's making it into two parcels and Well, that's, that seems like a pretty good retirement plan to him right now. Sure. Right? To be able to build a second home and then sell the other home with the land. Um, so for a lot of people who are sitting on land that could be subdivided, I can understand why that's pretty appealing to to take advantage of that right now.
3: Absolutely. Um, uh, We've got a call uh, from Forbes in Corinth. Forbes, how can we help you today?
0: Hi. Um, I got a question you probably can answer, but what are the uh, town listers doing uh, with a piece of property, let's say that was listed uh, last year at two hundred and forty-six thousand? Uh, sold this year for six hundred
3: thousand. That is what, a great question. Doing? Yep, yep. Thank you, thank you, Forbes. Uh, that's a. I, I was uh, actually talking to. I have a property in Essex that I'm renovating, and the lister called me and said, "Okay, where are we at on the renovation there? I need to have a valuation by April because that's when the the list mm-hmm. is is done." Mm-hmm. Um, what do what do you uh, what do you what are your thoughts on on the the town evaluations and the quick change and rapid change in, in value that the market's seeing and how that's reflected in the listing.
4: Well, first of all, I'll share that my, my mother-in-law lives in East Corinth, so that's really neat to have a call from
3: Corinth. <laughs> <Nice>. um,
4: <laughs> and, you know, I, I would say that each homeowner should really do their due diligence as far as those numbers from the lister's office and planning and zoning um, just because the numbers have changed, don't assume that they're correct. I had a seller this year who her um, home was part of a reassessment, and her taxes went up six thousand dollars. Wow! wow. She about fell off her chair and sure. said, "At least I have to sell. I have to sell. My my taxes are." something that I can't afford yep.
1: yeah.
4: and we did some homework and spoke with the, the town office and they had put in a wrong code Oh wow. it was incorrect um so that's what you
3: mean by doing your due diligence as as a homeowner if you get a number back from the town assessor's office from the lister and it sounds crazy then you might have to dig on, don't just don't accept it right you might have to yes. do a little more investigation you can appeal basically yeah
4: and, you know, Burlington just went through this, and some of the numbers that they were assigning to these homes, oh, my gosh, as a listing agent, and then going to look to list these homes. And they're saying, well, this is what this is what Burlington says my home is worth now. This is what I'm being taxed on. I have to say, well, where are the comps?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where are
4: the comparables when I go to sell this? that what is the appraiser going to say? Yep. So it's this vicious circle.
3: Definitely. Yeah, there was a lot of news uh, a couple of months ago, um, you know, in the Vermont news about the appraisal um, problems. I, I don't know if problems is the right word, but the issues that people were bringing up with the most recent round of Burlington um, appraisals from the, from the town listing office, from the appraisers in the town. Um, and... Uh, that, that's, that's shocking. I mean, it, it, uh, when we have, this is all tied into, of course, uh, the larger discussion about how we fund our schools, um, because a lot of the, the, the property taxes are tied into that and about towns trying to fill up, um, you know, f- uh, fiscal deficits that they have by appraising, uh, properties that may be too high based on what the original appraisal was. Um, so, uh, you know, once again, something that impacts, um, the non-rich, right? The people who live in Burlington who are suddenly turning around like your, your, your mother, your friend was saying, my goodness, they just appraised my house at way higher than it was and I can't afford to live in my house anymore. Um, uh that shouldn't be uh the the goal of taxing it shouldn't be to to make it so expensive that people can afford to live in a house that just a couple of years ago was affordable from a tax point of view
4: absolutely
3: yep. You know, one question that
2: comes to mind, and you've heard this often, so I'm going to kind of put you on the spot a bit here, Elise, is the fact that some people will say, "Why do I need a realtor if I'm going to sell my house? Mm-hmm. It seems like I could just do it all by myself." Which some people who have done it and are familiar with the paperwork and have, have trained themselves, yes, they could. But what is the value that a realtor is going to be able to bring, and why would you say, "Hey, listen, you should consider a realtor to help you during, especially these times, but even normal times, with everything that's involved." Mm-hmm. You know, what what would you say to that, Elise?
4: Well, there's a lot of reasons, in my opinion. Sure. So, first of all, there's there's a liability issue. So, do you really want to take on that liability risk of doing something that maybe you've only done once or twice in your life? Sure. So, I have plenty of people who say to me, well, I sold my house myself 15 years ago. Okay, so you did that one time 15 years ago. I am doing this daily, seven yes. days a week. And I really have my pulse on the market as far as what strategies are being used. How high can we push your listing price?
1: Sure.
4: What contingencies can I negotiate for the buyer to waive? So there, there's that knowledge piece. Um, I'll, I'll share with you. I had one time thought about selling my car.
1: <laughs>
4: yep. I saw real estate. Oh, I'll sell my car. And my husband said, do you know anything about cars? And I said, No. <laughs> I don't know anything about cars. He said, Well, maybe you shouldn't be the person doing that then. <laughs> yeah. I thought, oh, he's right. I really don't truly have experience in this and I'm not knowledgeable and why don't I give this to an expert?
2: Yeah. Well to that end, you know, or or to to bolster that I should say, um the friends that I sent your way uh, two elderly women that were um, selling their brother's house who had deceased. Um, they had gotten some advice from somebody from out of state who didn't know the market, and I thought this would be a great fit that you would be able to take care of them. And they were concerned about some of the the cost, having a realtor involved. But I do know that by helping them navigate through even some challenging things with the home that needed to be repaired, they came out on top with the the final purchase price that more than paid for any fees that you were going to have uh, assessed towards them. And so it was a win-win all the way around as far as we saw it.
4: Right. And and I, I hear that a lot. I hear from people who decide to do it on their own. Oof. I would never do that again. That was so much more work than I anticipated. And I think they don't anticipate the number of phone calls and texts and emails and questions and organizing showings and the paperwork. It, it, it's just a lot of work, and it is very seven days a week. There, there isn't on and off hours for it.
2: Sure. I wonder what that's like. <laughs> yeah, that's, but uh, the one thing that's uh, of concern, uh, if if I was going to sell my house, now granted, you're saying at least that the seller is in the driver's seat in a lot of this right now because the market is not uh, the way the market's going. But I'm also thinking that it's it's so hyper accelerated that you may need to shower the house, but you don't need to use soap almost to get it to be attractive to somebody. Um, you know, so let's stick on the pig or not. Right? Exactly. So in normal time. Well, where is normal? But you know, there's a certain process that you would walk through for the curb appeal and how you'd market it using the internet, social media, everything else. Um, how does you know, even staging the home? How does how was that true before? How how true is that now? And what would
3: you recommend people who are looking to sell their house either by themselves or through a real estate agent? What are they, what should they do? Yeah,
4: that's a great question. So we are we're still doing the whole kit and caboodle, quote unquote. So with our clients, we still recommend the cleaning, the home staging, the professional photography. I do find that our listings tend to sell quicker than the average agent and for a higher dollar amount. Great. So I don't think just because it is a seller's market that you don't clean and have your cereal bowls out on the counter and the toys <laughs> everywhere.
2: <laughs> or what your dog left on the floor that shouldn't have? Yes, I've, I've been in one of those homes.
4: Yes, so for the most part, we're staying to that tried-and-true method. It's worked for us for years, and it continues to work for us even in the seller's market. But that being said, there are some unique homes which are, I'm going to say, needing a lot of work, which we are recommending to go to the market as is.
3: As is. Okay. okay.
4: We've had a few of those listings this year, and in those homes, for example, the house might need the hardwood floors refinished and a new kitchen and updated windows and updated bathrooms. At that point, I like Jim's quote, but, My quote is, we're not going to put lipstick on the pig on that one. It's just probably not necessary. It's going to end up costing a lot more than the return will be. Um, So we really take it case by case, depending on the home.
2: Well, so often when we get into a remodeling situation, a client will ask, well, how much will this particular project add to the value of my home? Dovetailing from that, it, when, when you're advising your clients, what are the, the things from curb appeal, which is not just the outside of the house, it's also how does it look inside? Because now the curb is The not, inside
3: curb appeal. Yeah, well, because it's <laughs> going to be on the Internet. You're going to be taking photos That's right, of everything. Right. So what
2: are, you, what are your recommendations to best make the home presentable or that, to add the most value when somebody's looking at the, this home for purchase?
4: You want it to feel more bare than is normal, to be more empty, um, void of knickknacks, personal belongings, photographs, as much as possible, you want to pare down. We simply call it pre-packing. You're okay. moving either way. Sure. So, you know, if it's in the winter, do you really need all your summer dresses in your closet? Right. Probably not. Huh. And if it's in the summer, do you really need all your winter sweaters out in the closet? So to think about those things that you're not using this time of the year, whenever you're listing Prepack them, you know, all the books on the bookshelves and, and those things that you don't necessarily use every day. I, I would put them in a box in the basement or the garage. Um, some people were worry about having a garage full of boxes or a garage, you know, basement full of boxes. And, sure. and buyers don't mind. It just shows that you're motivated and that you're prepared and ready to sell your home.
3: Yeah. Excellent. Um, one of the things that I was looking into a, a while back – um for our volume analysis of ener- of houses we're doing energy assessments on is a product called Matterport. Have you heard about this? Mm-hmm. This is so have you used that at all? Uh, just so that for the for the audience, Matterport is a scanning camera that you bring through the house and takes detailed um images that you can then uh do a virtual tour through. Yeah, phenomenal. You just walk through it. Yeah. Um have you had any experience with that technology? Yeah, absolutely. We we
4: do have our photographer who owns one of those cameras, so we can absolutely use that on our listings. It's um, it's a charge to me by square foot. So I think often we just try to decide with the seller: is this house going to sell in two days without the Matterport? Well, then we probably don't really need to use it. Right. Versus, do we think this is a house that might sit on the market a bit longer? and out-of-state buyers could use that to their advantage for virtual showings. Well, then let's use it. Uh,
3: and what is that? You don't have to say if you don't want to, but what is your average cost for a 1,500-square-foot, a 2,000-square-foot house to, to have that done?
4: For the matter of it it's not too expensive. Don't quote me on this.
3: I won't do. <laughs>
4: But I, I think it's around 300 to $400. Hey, I- and. You know, when there were so many lockdown restrictions as far as travel, we were utilizing it more. Yeah, Oh,
2: certainly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and how about drone imaging? How often are you guys using that?
4: If, absolutely. So if if it's a property that warrants it, sure. you know, for example, with, if it's yep. a condo or if it's <laughs> a <pretty laughs> typical one-acre lot where you can clearly see the boundaries, then it's probably not really adding value. Right. However, if it's 10 acres with horse barns and outbuildings and a lake and, you know, mountain vistas, well, let's, let's utilize that then. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, excellent. Well, Lise, we're going to be uh, uh, going to Steve Spatz here in just a moment, but we really want to thank you for joining us this week. And should somebody want to ask you more questions, um, where is the best place for them to contact you?
4: Sure. So our website is great. It's just www.polyproperties.com, P-O-L-L-I, properties.com, or if they want to call me directly, my cell phone is 802-399-0134. Great.
3: You've been a great guest. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your insights on what's going on in the real estate market, and uh, we'll be seeing you around.
4: Thanks so much. Appreciate you having me.
3: You're, Certainly, Elise. You're right. Thank Thanks. you. Well, right now we're going to go to
2: Steve Spatz with Efficiency Vermont. Steve, are you on the line with us?
3: Hey guys. Hey. hey. How you doing? We're well.
2: Doing well. Speaking of uh, moving in, you recently did that yourself, correct? After a big home project.
5: We did. Yes. About two weeks in at this point, point. Um, and still getting settled, and, and still a lot to do, but. Happy to be here.
3: Did you stay in the same town, or did you change towns?
5: Was, this is the home we've we've lived in for almost 20 years at this point. It was a
3: big I remodel. Oh, yeah. the major remodel. We, we yeah. went
5: through all of these. Yeah, we went through all of these real estate considerations over the past uh, 12 years or so since our family's grown and we've wanted to stay in our community and you know seeing the property values in our town fluctuate in ways that were. Um, at times unattainable and predictable, but we've uh, we stuck with what we've got and tried to make it work best for us.
2: Certainly, well, Steve. One of the main things I wanted to ask you about when you're on today is, I think it definitely joins this this whole discussion uh, really effectively because Chris and I, when we've done what used to be called an energy audit, still is, but it's more so known as a home performance assessment. Years ago, mainly we were being called because somebody wanted to save money on their energy bills because the energy costs were so high, which they're getting mm-hmm. up there again. But then we, we, when we met with people, almost without exception for the people who had been in their homes two to three years, we would find issues, some of them quite egregious, some minor, that they would say to us, why didn't my home inspector tell me this? Now, granted, there are great home inspectors out there, and yep. they, they are looking for, you know, things that would cause a defect within the home that needs to be fixed prior to sale or mortgaging the home. But with that, there are a lot of important things somebody needs. And, you know, working at Efficiency Vermont, when people are calling in, and it's not just about saving money on their home, what are some of the stories that you're hearing when it comes to this that why that would basically bolster our position that not just a home inspection but a home performance assessment should be done on a home to catch some of these? And,
3: and just, to, just to clarify, um, the uh, home... The home uh, uh, inspection is not energy-based, right? That's not one of the things they're looking at.
5: Yeah, there's definitely different um, components between the two um, that are oftentimes not going to overlap, um, you know, one versus the other. But, I mean, really, you know, the home for most of us is our largest asset. It's our largest investment. um, And, you know, just as you would Probably try to avoid buying a lemon, you know, or a a vehicle that has known defects and you want to know what the cost of ownership of that vehicle is going to be. Having as much information along those lines about a home uh, purchase are only advantageous. And, you know, there are definitely um, distinctions in the eye of an experienced uh, building science professional and and home performance contractor that they will pick up on – you know, details in the building and, and certain things that they can see from inside and outside that wouldn't necessarily trigger a um you know a, a write up or a a in a notification from a building inspector. So, you know, those are things that where the the, the unique skill set of a of a building science professional and a performance contractor really comes to fore. You know, there's things you can see in the The look of what siding looks like on the outside of the house coloration, shading on the walls, you know um, signs of 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 moss or lichen on the asphalt roof there's certain things you can pick up on that may indicate that there's a lingering and potentially significant problem behind the walls or some some place that you can't see physically you know as directly um, as you're walking through the home. And the testing side of things really uh, is a huge benefit as well, too. You know, it starts to put a uh, tangible, real um, uh, piece of the puzzle in play when you can start to see the impact and effect of a lower-door test and IR scan. You start testing the combustion equipment. You know, you can find out if there, for some reason, is a, a crack in the, the heat exchanger in a, in a furnace or a boiler that be carbon monoxide into the home. and you know,
2: no one would know that otherwise, so. Certainly. And it's not about, you know, hurting the purchase of the home in the sense of causing it not to go forward. It's more so allowing the potential buyer a realistic understanding of what the real costs are going to be to live in this home from an yep. energy savings, but also, or energy expense, but also, hey, are there some other things I need to get taken care of that I need to negotiate into the purchase of the home, the price?
5: Absolutely. And as Elise was saying too, you know, from a buyer standpoint, you know, where does this stand on your scale of one to ten for being the perfect home and your commitment to it? Yeah, those those emotions and those needs um, can certainly not stand in the way of 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 a sale going through, but just putting everybody at least on the same page of, of what that means getting into it.
2: Are there any uh, stories that stick out in your mind uh, specifically of somebody after being in the home for a year or a winter that the aha <laughs> moment came into play that you could share?
5: Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I'll, even for my own my own home, you know, within the first heating season that we lived in the in the home, um, we realized that the uh, furnace really had no return air coming to it and it really didn't do much to heat the house and we live up in the mountains and we bought the we closed the deal on our home in in the middle of uh, February and there was four plus feet of snow around so you know that was that was something that uh we had to then work around a little bit and caused me to start cutting down a lot more trees to feed to the wood stove (laughs) sure um (laughs) There's, there's certainly situations where, you know, you mentioned the vermiculite where people, where, you know, homeowners have have purchased a home knowing that they, they even bought the home with the intention of doing some major renovations to it and including work on the um, insulation and building envelope and then come to find out that there's a major obstacle in the way of them doing that that they had not planned and budgeted for. So, um, furnace replacements, you know, heating system replacements, that's, you know that that can be a unfortunately not uncommon thing to to have strike after after buying a new home yep. um, and comfort i mean a really a big piece of it is you can't you can't define comfort in the information that's on a listing
3: yeah sure. you can't uh, see it in the pictures you can't see it yep
5: listed.
2: yep exactly one exactly.
5: thing so those are some of the things you can start to get a better picture with um, when you're starting to do the analysis on the building envelope
2: oh definitely definitely one thing I, we've seen is during this time when people have been buying from out of state in in Vermont is they don't realize Not just comfort, but you can't get there from here. So they buy some of these, these, uh, listings in towns that are in the middle of nowhere. And then they show up and they realize, Oh my gosh, I'm just out in the field. (laughs) You know, there's nothing around me and they don't do the due diligence there. So certainly I think getting this home performance assessment done, the things I found in, in my house, you know, granted, when I moved in there years ago, I did not have the knowledge of building science that I do and just a simple, corners that were cut that were never brought up to our attention. You know, like, why was there black mold throughout the entire attic? Well, the reason why is because somebody thought it would be really expensive to buy that $14 wall vent from the bathroom fan (laughs) and just throw up the the, the vent from the the main bathroom upstairs into the attic, and yeah, it caused health issues. It caused expense, and it just was really unfortunate, so I think, you know, really, we're sold on it, not just because we do this. It's just your interest would be better served if you're going to be buying a home to have this home performance assessment done because it's going to give you more than just energy savings, as we're talking about. It's going to give you a realistic picture, picture as to how that house is operating. Yep. So. Health,
5: safety, durability, you know, the things that if you're going to invest, you know, the, the substantial portion of your livelihoods into, you know, retaining as an asset, then, you know, those are things to know ahead of time. Um, and, you know, this, this benefits. You know, they were ta- is mentioning, and you guys were talking about you know, listers and, and the towns and what the towns are seeking from, um, you know, their their property base as stable and valuable properties as assets for yep. to you know support the tax base. And when you have buildings that are not in good repair and have a lot of hidden things that are you know, tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars to fix that can be happening behind the scenes, quote-unquote, within a wall or a roof or a basement over time, you know, that it doesn't benefit the community as well as the the individual homeowner.
3: Exactly. That deferred maintenance devalues the community's assets because each one of our houses are temporary for us. We're, unless we're burning these houses down when we I die, know. like some kind of, you know, yeah. Viking ship. <laughs> um, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're passing these on to whoever's next, right? And um, it's important yeah. that we leave those in as good a shape as, as possible for the future, which is why Jim and I are always, and you as well, Steve, uh, all championing um, good building science in our new construction yes. so that those won't turn into the things we have to retrofit after four or five years and have those retrofits be done. Uh, following building science guidelines, so we're improving the value of our housing stock. Um, And and I think that's that's a a message that we share with Efficiency Vermont, for sure.
2: Sure, And and as
5: later generations see the housing stock that we have now and see it hopefully within similar light as we look at the homes that were built in the 1700s and 1800s and early 1900s around the state that have so much character and you know, are such an important aspect of our communities and our environment that we live in. You know, we want to see modern housing carry that same sort of value over time as well, too. Exactly.
2: So, Steve, if you could help our, in the last uh, little bit that we have here, we're a little bit over, but uh, um, how would somebody go about getting in contact with an EEN contractor? Could you uh, help our listeners out with that?
5: Sure. Um, you know, if you have specific questions you'd like to just, kick around a little bit and get a little bit of feedback on out of the gate, you can uh, always call Efficiency Vermont um, and reach out to one of our customer support staff who are excellent at handling uh, many different types of questions. And they're happy to put you in touch with the professionals to take you further in that conversation uh, as well. But uh, going to our website, um, you can find, you know, a lot of information about some of these topics we're discussing just in general and general information on the website. You can search for uh, home performance professionals and other contractors that are uh, partnered with us in our EEN network by our uh, going to our Find a Contractor link on our website, and you can search for different services there and put in your zip code and find out who's local to you, um, but we're here to help, so, you know, if you... Our, our contractors are, are maxed out just like anyone in the uh, residential construction market right now. and doesn't mean that they uh, don't want your business or, or aren't eager to talk to you, but if you're having trouble to you know, reaching a contractor, feel free to reach out to us you know, by phone and we can put in uh, the word too to try to make sure that you get the support you need.
3: Great. Uh, well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us on this Saturday early afternoon. I would like to say, however, um, uh, not however, but in addition to that if you have questions about, uh, your, your DIY project at home or you have questions, uh, about, uh, looking, f- having trouble finding a contractor, um, we will probably send you through to talk to Steve, but in the end, uh, we can be a, a, a kind of a clearinghouse for that resource, as well. Certainly. Uh, you can send us an email to HouseCallsVT at gmail.com, or you can chime in next week when we're back from 1230 to 130 in House Calls Vermont at 802 uh, 244 Steve, thank you so much, and Jim, until next week.
2: This is House Calls Vermont, and have a great week, everybody
0: house calls vermont on wdev has been brought to you by rk miles a third generation family-owned business proud to be your local building material supplier find a location near you at rkmiles.com By Poly Construction, for over 30 years known for anything construction, big or small jobs, one call does it all, P-O-L-L-I-Construction.com. By Ken Libby of the Stowe Area Realty Group at Keller Williams Stowe, your trusted advisor, 802-793-2002. By Curtis Lumber, with two locations in Vermont, Williston and Burlington, Request a quote for your next project online at curtislumber.com. Buy Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber with locations in Williston and Burlington. Sticks and Stuff, Swanton Lumber with locations in St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, Derby, and Middlesex. By Shamrock Painting. Painting and custom wood finishing. Shamrockpainting.com. By Wythe Windows, high-performance passive house windows and doors online at wythewindows.com. By Matt Clark's Northern Basement Systems for all things basementy, northernnefoundations.com. Be sure to join us next Saturday at 1230 during the noon hour for House Calls Vermont here on WDEV.